Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome into the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and those who cover the NBA on a daily basis. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. All right, welcome to another edition of the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, the official podcast of your New Orleans Pelicans, and nothing makes it more official than having Mr. Jim Eichenhofer. As always, I love seeing you, sir. How are you? I'm great, Gus. Good to be here. Yeah, well, you know what's also nice as well? victories how nice was that win by the pelicans back on monday very big for them to answer following a tough loss it was kind of therapeutic there's been so much negative discussion about the team and you know as willie green mentioned um after practice yesterday the thing about critics and the thing about people talking about you is sometimes they're right and i think some of the stuff that was said was justified as far as their performance against the lakers but they were able to cleanse that a little bit by beating the Timberwolves 121 to 107. Zion was tremendous with 36 points. Also got 20 plus from Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum. So it was a really good night. And uh, now it's about trying to take that and carry that onto the road. I think one of the things that people look at and go, oh, they didn't have Anthony Edwards. I remember Aaron Summers in the postgame said, well, no one ever says, well, they didn't have Zion or CJ or BI when the Pelicans tend to lose. And the other thing, too, they did have Carl Anthony Towns. They did have Rudy Gobert. They did have the rest of that team, as Todd pointed out in the broadcast, that had beaten the team previously just the game before by 25 points. So I know they didn't have Ant. But that didn't mean that what Zion did in the paint and the team did in the paint shouldn't be looked at as something very big. I mean, we're at the point now where it's somewhat rare that both teams have every single key guy on the court for games. So, yeah, you have to factor that in. I did tweet at the end of the or right after the buzzer, I tweeted something to the effect of it was really nice to have um, more of the Pelicans' main players available for the first time against Minnesota. And a couple of Timberwolves fans came back at me, and they were like, yeah, but Anthony Edwards didn't play. And I thought exactly what you said, where it's like when the Timberwolves won by, I think, 20 the first time against the Pelicans and then by one in the more recent meeting, I can guarantee you that the Timberwolves themselves and, and or Minnesota media members weren't like, well, you know, the Timberwolves beat the Pelicans by one, but Zion didn't play, and CJ didn't play, yeah. and Trey Murphy didn't play. Yeah. And, I mean, that it, it doesn't happen. So, it. It was really just from the Pelicans' perspective, it was a really good win. Of course, Anthony Edwards not playing was a factor in the game, but um, it was a little bit more of a fair fight, an even fight, I think, this time. The fact that so many of the guys that hadn't played in either of the first two games for New Orleans were were on the floor Monday night. I think the other thing that we'll wrap up with uh, looking back on Monday here, because I can't wait to get to our interview, our special guest is Jason Smith of the New Orleans Pelicans of the New Orleans Hornets as well now with the Wizards telecast. But one of the things, Jim, that stood out to me, 79 combined points by the big three. It's just a taste of what maybe we'll see. Look, this is what we're we're hoping to see, an example of maybe come postseason and stuff. But it was only the second time that those three have all scored 20 points or more because they just don't play a, a lot of times together. Right. But 
that's the point, though. They, the, the potential is there that all three of those players can score 20 points. That's pretty big. Not many teams can say that. Yeah, it was funny because I think after the game, someone mentioned to CJ McCollum, you know, this is only the second time or only third time or whatever the number was that all three of you guys have had 20. And CJ looked back and was like, yeah, we've only played like 15 games together or whatever the number is. So He said 11. Was it 11? 11. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that was really those three at their best. Um, they actually, you know, side note to VI had 13 shot attempts, CJ 15, Zion 17. So it was very evenly distributed. Uh, both CJ and Zion were really good from the floor. VI was only five for 13 from the field, but he was eight for nine on free throws. So that was how he got his points up there. So, I mean, if, if they get any semblance of that from those three guys in the same game, it's going to be really difficult to beat the Pelicans. Well, it was good for them to get that win, and now they go on the road for three games, including the Wizards tonight, which we'll get into here in a quick second. But it's that time to bring in our special guest. All right, Mr. Jim Eichenhofer, it's time to welcome in a familiar face. It's always nice when we get to see a familiar face, and that one today is that of Jason Smith. Uh, Monumental Sports Network, Wizard. Are you a wizard? Are you part of the Wizards? Do you cover Wizards? Do you just like to refer to yourself as a wizard? We are a part of the Wizards. Sometimes I refer to myself as a wizard, but no. It is, uh, it's great that I do what I do. I do pre and post game up there. It's nothing difficult. It's about 20, 25 games. I've got two kiddos now. I got a nine-year-old and a six-year-old that keep me running and busy. So <laughs> for me, it keeps me close to the game, but it also gives me an opportunity to be dad as well. I love that because I was wondering if you refer to like a play or something. He's a wizard around the basket. Have you done that once or twice? Yeah, there's been a couple of those, but I try not to. We're going through a little bit of a bump right now. Uh, it's not the greatest of seasons, but you got to try and bring out the positives. A lot of the young guys are getting opportunities to play. And, and there's lots of, um, as Jim would like to say, there's lots of polishing of making sure that you're not too <laughs> down or too up about the team, but you're pointing out the bright spots. Jason, you know, we always loved having you here when you were a player here. And before we get into some of the specifics, maybe of the this game between the Wizards and the Pelicans, I wanted to kind of go through, because I know our listeners are probably the most curious about this and interested in this, some of your career highlights here while, while you were a player. You're here for several seasons. Your first season here was 2010-11. Um, first of all, from your time here, what, what was the, the biggest mem- best memory you have? What do you think is the thing that stands out the most to you, whether it's a memory or a game or something that happened while you played? Jim, the- stop tiptoeing around the damn subject, man. You know when I checked Blake Griffin, that was my funnest <laughs> moment, my best memory. No, that's probably what I'm most known for down in New Orleans, but it was uh, a bit chaotic, I guess. No, it was a fun, entertaining experience. I got my 15 minutes of fame, whether it be good or bad. There was a lot of bad that associated with that. But for me, as a whole in New Orleans, the crowd, the fans, they were amazing. Um, I mean, we went through thick and thin. We had some good years. We had a lot of bad years when I was there. But they were always supportive of us. The season ticket holders, having any season ticket holder event was great, whether it be at the aquarium, the Saints practice facility, any appearance that I had at schools, reading to the kids, just kind of learning about the the local culture of New Orleans, because New Orleans is different than any other city. It's not a major market, but it's that small blue collar worker. They love to have a good time. They throw a party and have an excuse for a parade at any given moment. Uh, (laughs) It was, it was a lot of learning experiences, but it was a lot of life memories too. 
You know, it's funny. I wasn't going to bring up the Blake Griffin incident with you only because every time I've talked to you over the last few years, I've brought it up. So I figured this time I'd make an exception. So I thought it was kind of funny that you were the one that brought it up. We'll get that picture framed at some point. (laughs) Yes. I I have to say I, from that season, one of my favorite memories was you. I'm sure a lot of people remember this, but if people, if we need to catch some people up on this, maybe some of our younger listeners, there was a game against the Clippers this would have been, I think, the 11-12 season, if I'm not mistaken, the first year after the trade with the Clippers. And it, to my recollection, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like the Clippers were doing nonstop trash-talking, taunting, you name it. And I forget what the play was, but there was something that precipitated the entire arena wanted to attack Blake Griffin, and Jason Smith took it upon himself to <laughs> be the one to do that. And I and I, I'll never forget no. after you got after you got ejected from the game, <laughs> as you were walking down the ton- towards the tunnel, you were waving your arms up in the air, and everybody was going crazy. So tell me, how accurate am I in terms of recapping that event? You remember that pretty vividly, man, Jim. You got a pretty dang good memory. I think you've been <laughs> taking some ginkgo biloba or something because that was pretty spot on. If you watch the entire game. It was going back and forth. It was getting chippy. Blake was thinking that he was in the WWE for a second, a couple times, or maybe falling on me. It was just not yeah. fun. So if you mm-hmm. take the entire context of the game, it was emotionally charged, having Chris Paul back in the building. It was his first time back in the building. The Clippers were really good. And if you remember, it was Lob City. You had DeAndre Jordan there. You had Blake Griffin dunking on everybody. My main mission was not to get dunked on by that man. He was a monster out there. Now, granted, if you look at the original play, there was a thing about Coach Williams. He said, if you turn the ball over, it doesn't matter. Get back on defense. Hustle back on defense. Well, I hustled back on defense, and uh, the rest is history. (laughs) Love that. You know, it's interesting because – you go back and Jim, I, I I don't know if you were calling him old when you said, let's go back for the younger kids, but it is true when you start thinking, man, <laughs> this franchise has been here over 20 years now. Um, what, what's nuts about it is how much the game has changed really from that standpoint to it, right? Where you really don't see a lot of that banging. And we're going to get into it when we talk about tonight's matchup with the onus and what he's been able to do. But is that the biggest thing that you've seen, Jason, from your time now where right now, if you were playing, you're probably out on the perimeter right now. It has been a transition of a game from going inside to a big guy, pounding it down low to possibly a mid-range game, which I was right there in that mid-range game. I love doing the pick and pop with Chris Paul, with Eric Gordon, with Gravis Vasquez. It didn't matter who it was. I was money from that <laughs> spot. But then you take it a couple years later, I had to learn how to shoot a three and go to the corner. And if I didn't shoot a three, I wasn't going to be playing that much because every coach you go to, they're like, we either want layups or we want threes. No mid-range. And I was like, wow, that completely eliminates 90% of my game. Thanks, coach. But because I did it so efficiently, I was able to transition to that corner three. I was able to transition to that slot three and a little pick and pop here and there. But it is crazy how the game has evolved. It has gotten so fast. And you're starting to see scores that are in the 120, 30, 40, 50s, 150 points in a game. There is no defense being played, but that's because most teams are coming down and shooting it within five seconds. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. There is hardly any offense running. You have maybe a pick and roll with the big and the guard, and then it's just free flow and movement out of that. It is a lot of fun to watch because it's a lot of offense, but some of the fans are like, hey, 
there's defense part of this game too, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know it's funny, Jason. Um, you you reminded me of I saw a stat in the last couple of years. I don't know if it's still true, but there was a a, a fact that in say 1985, there like the mid 80s, there were more seven footers on NBA rosters than there are now. I I was wondering what what do you think about the evolution now? I don't think your game fits this because, like you said, you had the versatility to step out and take you know, jumpers and you, you, like you said, you were money from 18 to 20 feet, but um, what, what's your opinion on just the way that it seems like it's kind of phased out some of the traditional big guys, as far as, you know, compared to 20, 30 years ago. Well, you got to think about who was playing about 20, 30 years ago. This was, man, you take it all the way back to the Kareem years where you had to try and stop a guy who had an unstoppable shot in the hook. Then you go to the Celtics of Robert Parrish and the big man evolution of even going into Shaq. Nobody could stop Shaq, but you had to have somebody on his on the roster to try and put up a fight, if you want to call it a fight. Mm-hmm. He was so dominant as a big, but then as that kind of phased out, then you had the Tim Duncan era. Then you had the Dirk Nowitzki era stretching out and getting out to the perimeter. Kevin Garnett, a hybrid big going mid-range, down low, out to the three. I mean... It's been a steady evolution of the big guy. And it's crazy to think because there was a lot more seven footers back in the day because the game was all predicated on, all right, we got to get it to the big guy down low. And then if you guards get a shot, you get a shot. If you don't, don't be crying about it. Now (laughs) it's the bigs. All right, just keep on running. Maybe get a rebound and a putback, but we're not going to be looking for you in any sort of offense whatsoever. You look at Nikola Jokic, prime example. He's not necessarily a big that plays down in the post. He is a guy, they catch a rebound, they will throw it to him, and he brings the ball up the court. Mm-hmm. That is a very rare example, but that's the evolution of the game. You have the Giannis's. I mean, Jason Tatum's a 6'10", 2, 3, 4. What position is he? It's now position basket, positionless basketball. And it's a lot of fun to watch because you see these guys go out there. And a lot of people don't get this appreciation because – you see him out there on the TV screen. You're like, oh, he's not that big. But you see him in real person. Go to one of the season ticket holder events. You will realize how large of humans are playing basketball nowadays. Now, granted, Kevin Durant is all of seven feet. He was in my draft class, and he's still playing today because of the skill set that he has. He has the ball handling. He has the extreme ability to score the ball and shoot the ball. It's it's amazing to watch. And I'm glad that I was a part of it because if you take it back, Jim, to those 80s, 90s eras, now granted, this is when I was watching basketball, there's no chance you're catching me on the basketball court with Shaq in his prime. Now in his prime. Now I caught Mm -hmm. Shaq in his later years and I was like, he's not that bad. He's just, you know, 400 pounds. (laughs) Then you go to like Charles Oakley or Patrick Ewing or like the Malice in the Palace stuff. Um, there is no chance I'm playing in the NBA. But then you go kind of that transitional period of, all right, pick and pop. Okay, I can do this. Okay, three ball. Okay, and then I was out of the So <laughs> Yeah, that brief little window there. Speaking with Jason <laughs> Smith, born New Orleans Hornets. So weird to say that, right? Or I guess, or do we say Pelicans? I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, he, with, he stretched into the he, Pelicans he era briefly. The Pelicans era. Yeah, yeah, he did. I right. did. So, I was a Hornet and a Pelican. A Hornet and a Pelican. <laughs> oh, man, I love Jim, that. All these fun facts. It's only because that. He, well, he gets so he fun. comes prepared. Believe me, he has notebooks. I got nothing in front of <laughs> Jason. Uh, Jason now part of the Washington Wizards television broadcast, doing a little pregame halftime and post. Before we get into that, too, we're, since we're taking that trip down memory lane, who was your favorite teammate while you were here? Tough question. 
Ooh, that's a good question. Favorite teammate? Yeah, I'll probably have to go with Ryan Anderson. I mean, we we were a nice little dynamic duo. I was I was rolling, he was popping, he was rolling, I was popping. So it was it was a great time with him. Carl Landry was a lot of fun. Obviously, playing with Chris Paul. He knew I was open before I knew I was open in screen and roll action. So it was always fun to play with him. Um, Trevor Ariza was a really good teammate of mine as well in that first year. But going through a lot of the teammates, I mean, every year you have a new group of guys and you learn to just kind of have that chemistry throughout the year because you've got 82 games and there's there's not really much you can do about it. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of the guys. People always ask me, who are the best dudes who are the best people that we've had on the team in the time that I've been here. And I mean, you listed a few of those guys. I remember Carl Landry was hilarious. I, he was such oh, a, Larry. such a nice guy. Um, I remember, um, I can't remember if you crossed over with him, but Melvin Eli was one of the guys that always no, cracked me up. That was a year before me. So I okay. didn't get a chance to have Melvin. He actually came back to the Pelicans at the end of one of the seasons to play the last week or two. But I think you, had we were I was gone still by there. that point. I was still there. Don't oh, okay. Write me off. I was still there, but he was like you said, he was only there for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Who who was who was your funniest teammate? Who was the guy that always cracked you up the most while you were here? Now I'll tell you what, he wasn't there for very long, but when we had Chris Kamen, mm. that dude was a riot. Whether it was on the floor, he'd forget a play, he's being goofy out there, he'd be goofy in practice. Uh, I mean, Carl Landry was hilarious. Jerry Jack was pretty funny. Um, but I'll give you one that's kind of a sleeper. Al Farouk Aminu. Really? Mm. Oh, my gosh. Now, granted, to the press and the media, he was the quietest person ever. He looks like he's half asleep most of the time. But <laughs> if you get around him and you, he gets comfortable around you, the stuff that he says is comedic gold. Absolutely hilarious. I kind of want to touch on that and move it to where we are now in today's game. And I don't think there's there, anything's really changed, Jason, in terms of the best locker rooms, those that play for one another and stick together, go through and can survive tough moments, tough seasons. And then if you want to build to be a championship caliber playoff team, you got to have that locker room together, right? That's been the same before you, during your era, and even now right now, huh? Absolutely. You got to look at who has been dominant the past couple of years. You look at the Warriors going to finals. You look at Cleveland going to finals. It's because those guys hang out off the floor. They're together on the floor. They're buying into all the coaches' concepts. If you have a team that's all together and going all in one direction, it is a lot easier. Versus if you have a team that's predicated on sole individual objectives, like, oh, this is my contract here. I'm not going to pass this guy in the corner. Well, that just creates frustration and conflict. So if you're going to go out there and have a long season, and I mean a long season, you're going to have injuries. You're going to have to have next man up. You're going to have – if you have your main guys on the team, case in point, LeBron James, doesn't matter who's on the team. If it's 1 through 15, he's going to watch out for you. What he did for the guys in the in-season tournament, he knew, regardless if they were going to win or lose, but those yep. guys that had two-way contracts, he's like, I got you. Don't worry about it. This is going to be a lot of fun memorable experiences so if you have a guy that is the main person on your team the nba face of the nba and he's watching out for not only all the starters the bench people but the two-way guys that gives you the confidence the most confidence in the world because most of those guys they they're like oh man i'm kind of in between i hope i don't mess up if you go out there and play with the freedom and play like you know how to play 
you're going to have a lot more success versus if you're having everybody completely just hate each other throughout the year, that is hard to get wins. It's hard to go out there and have success. Good point. Jason, we're going to have to edit out the part where you talked about the in-season tournament and any reference <laughs> to the Lakers. We love the in-season tournament until we got to that point, but don't be offended. Sorry, when... a little salt on the wound. No, no it's okay. He wants to edit it out. I, I keep bringing it up, and it's something we talked about on Monday. I, I, I think those are lessons, like when you look at this young Pelicans team, and it is young, Jason, because they haven't played any playoff games together with those big three players in Zion, B.I., and C.J., and you can't simulate it. You've been through practices. I, I can put noise. I can put a clock on there. The coach can blow a whistle. But you have to have that atmosphere, the lights, the glitz, their screaming A, the, you know, the media, all of that stuff. And more importantly, I think for a guy like Zion to get two charges called against you by LeBron, you know, you have to see what that greatness level is in person on the court. Boom, 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 three threes. You're going what the bleep happened when you had just won the first quarter. You can't simulate that. So you brought up a very good point because it's something we talked about on Monday. That is something that you can take with and look at what they did on Monday. They came back and took that and, and got a big win against Minnesota. It's crazy to think because Zion hasn't yet to go through the lowest of lows. Everybody's like, man, he's been hurt. He's been unavailable. Da, da, da. Until you actually go through the sting of defeat, you won't know what to do in those big time situations. Now, granted, this was the in-season tournament, but still to go through that, that is precious experience gold because you're going to go out there and you learn from that experience. So the next time that you're in it, all right. LeBron is a very cerebral player. He is smart as anything. He knows that he cannot block me. He can't body me. Not many people can, but guess what he did? He took charges. This isn't a 39-year-old man taking charges to win a game. You can't necessarily bull through everybody, but you got to learn to play the right way. And I think that everybody gave Zion so much criticism. That's not that's not fair. I mean, yeah, he, he deserves a, a fair amount of criticism just because he is that that man and everybody sees that potential in him and he's a great player out there, but you saw that next game against Minnesota. He had a point to prove. He was, Oh, Oh, you guys don't think I can ball? Watch this. That's what I love about him. He has that competitive spirit to go out there and prove people wrong, but combine that with CJ combine that with BI. I mean, that is impressive trio right there. And to have them all on the floor, you guys have yet to see that potential of having them consistently throughout an entire season and into the playoffs. That is a team that not many people want to face, especially when you have a nice little dark horse in Herb Jones. That man right there, defense is his specialty. He has energy galore. I love what I see from the Pelicans. Jason, we're definitely going to get into the Wizards a little bit here in a second, but there's a couple things I wanted to follow up with you on in terms of your time here with the Hornets slash Pelicans. A um, couple things I was wondering if you remember from the, that those days. Um, do you remember, you mentioned Al Farouk Aminu, who we loved, was a, a funny guy. We liked um, interacting with him on a daily basis. Do you remember that there was a nickname? I can't remember who came up with this for him, but he, do you remember him, his nickname being Toast? No, and the reason I don't remember toast. The I reason, remember cheese, no, but I don't remember toast. No toast, T O S E, and the reason that that nickname came up was because it's short for comatose, <laughs> and that I actually think the coaches came up with that, and it was not in a negative, like demeaning way, but more of just what you said, where it looks like he's always half asleep. 
So that always cracked me up when I heard the coaches or whoever call him Toast. And it's kind of like, um, who's the guy that they call slow-mo for Memphis? Oh, Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson. He's up in Minnesota. Minnesota now. now, Yep. They call him slow-mo and I never could figure it out until I actually watched him play. And I was like, man, (laughs) he's in slow mode okay never mind i get it yeah you understand and he was here they played here monday as you know and he had a couple moves where i was like yep there's he's the only player in the league that would be able to score a basket at that (laughs) like he's he's it's like when you're listening to a podcast and you put it on like one eighth speed so um (laughs) the other thing i was wondering if you remember and i thought of this when you talked about chris Kamen as far as how funny he was there was a story and i wasn't there but i heard this like third hand that when you guys back in back in those days, you guys practiced in the Alario Center, and apparently there was a gator in one of the ponds that was near the Alario Center. You're shaking, you're you're nodding, so I think you maybe remember the story. And somebody told me that he got out of his car at the practice facility and saw, or he had walked away from his car. He saw the gator, and he told people, he's like, "I'm going back to my car," and they were like, "Why?" And he's like, "I'm gonna." Go, I'm going to go back and get my gun and see if I can hunt this gator. Is that true? Um, I can neither confirm nor deny about the gun, but I know <laughs> that he was crazy enough that he went back to his car and he was going to get something to go get this gator. For me, I thought it was, okay, shoot, it's just a gator and it's in a pond. I mean, I'm just going to take my shoes off, get ready to go into the water and go wrangle a gator real quick. <laughs> That's Chris Kamen for you, to a T. That is how crazy that man was. Wow. Um. Yeah. I I tend to leave him alone, Jason. You know. I just kind of look at it like that. Although you could have. Anytime there was a body of water in New Orleans, I said I ain't going near it. I know no. that there's going to be something in it. More than likely, yeah. it's a gator. No, thank you. No doubt. Speaking with Jason Smith, former New Orleans Hornet and Pelican, now with the Washington Wizards, uh, Monumental Sports Network, part of their pregame show and halftime and postgame show. Jason, let's get to obviously tonight's matchup. Look. Three wins is three wins. It's a tough season when you look at it from that perspective. I guess give us a snapshot. What what has been the Wizards' season like? Well, the Wizards can score the ball. I'll give you that. They can go out there and get the ball in the hoop. But it's a it's a combination of a lot of different people. You have about a ten man roster going from the starters to the bench. You got Kyle Kuzma. He's going to continue to attack the rim. You got Jordan Poole trying to get some traction during the season. It's just been kind of frustrating because they've had to deal with so many things of an influx of new guys on the team, but also having to deal with the high expectations of, oh man, Jordan Poole's coming from the Warriors. It's not fair because you're going from the Warriors that plays different than any other team to basically a normal NBA team. And to kind of have that transition period, I mean, Kyle Kuzma did that when he came from the Lakers Mm -hmm. and he had a little bit of success with it. Not everybody has success with it. So I think for those two guys, they've been kind of a struggle to figure out the chemistry and get the offense going kind of synergy wise, but on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, you got Daniel Gafford protecting the rim. If they could get consecutive stops, they could win more games. It's the problem is you have one mistake that turns into two mistakes, the three mistakes. The biggest thing for the Wizards, because they're so young, they love to run in transition. If you take that transition away from them, they struggle to score in transition. So It's a fun thing to watch because a lot of the young guys get opportunity to play. Mm -hmm. And and their rookie, Bilal Koulibaly, he came from France. He played with Victor Wimbanyama. He's been a great addition, and he surprised a lot of people because everybody thought they were going to go a different direction. And when they chose him in the draft, a lot of people kind of scratched their head like, him? 
Really? I mean, he was he was Wemby's point guard, but is he really that good? From summer league to the beginning of the season to now, I mean, he's gotten better every game. And it's been really surprising to see, but it's been refreshing to see as well. You got Corey Kispert, who's taken strides on the three-point line, and you also have Denny Abdia. He has done an amazing job of working on his game. And I think because he got a, a new contract, I think he has this sense of confidence yep. and kind of relaxed demeanor out there saying, hey, you guys do believe me. I can go out there and play, play freely and play like I do in the international style of basketball. He's attacking downhill. He's getting out in transition. His handles is good. He's not turning the ball over as much, and he's trying to get to the free throw line. But you definitely see a growing team. It's a young team. Yeah, they don't have very many wins, but they try and go out there and play the right way, the way that Wes Unsell Jr. wants them to, the head coach for the Washington Wizards. Mm -hmm. and, and that's all that you can really ask for. Second and fast break points, Jim. So yeah, you guys like to run out there. You know, that, yeah. that was one of the things I was going to mention was when you do when you research the Wizards and you look at their season overall, there actually are some categories where they're near the top of the league. Um, you and Gus both mentioned the transition offense, fast break points, um, where they're at, you know near the top. I noticed their bench scoring too is in in the top five as well. I mean, if you as a Pelicans fan when you're watching this game or getting ready for this game, I I think you're kind of thinking of how do we avoid, you know, obviously losing to a team that's three and 19 and a team that's on a six game losing streak as well. Um, from a, from a Washington perspective though, maybe in terms of the wins that they have gotten, what are some of the things that would, would be the most concerning to new Orleans? If you're a fan of things that the Pelicans, you know, beside you mentioned the fast break points, but things that the wizards have done well that have led to some of the few wins that they have gotten. You know, the big things that they do well is they get downhill and they're attacking the basket is if Kyle Kuzma, Jordan Poole, and Denny Avia can get to the basket and get to the free throw line, they have a lot of success because it sets their defense going back on the defensive end. Now, granted, they do love to run out and transition. So if they can get easy transition points, they can get to the free throw line and get to the basket. But also, if they can control the paint, the biggest thing is that we've got Daniel Gafford, but after that, if he gets in foul trouble, ugh, we have Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala. Now, granted, both of those guys are respectively great in their own aspect. And Danilo has been great because he is a floor spacer. So it's yeah. different than Daniel Gafford as a rim protector. But if you guys allow us to get to the free throw line, run out and transition, it's going to be a long night for you. The biggest thing is the offensive rebounds that the, that the Wizards give up. The Pelicans, if they continue to attack the boards, attack the boards, attack the boards, it's going to be a good night for them. If the Wizards can rebound, ooh, it's going to be a struggle for you guys. <laughs> yeah, well, that uh, you just mentioned some of the things. When you look at the Pelicans' losses, rebounding, and also three-point shooting there as well. I mean, obviously, in today's game, Jason, it comes down to who can knock down those threes. You know, if you can at yep. least get 10, 12 threes, you have a better chance than not to win, right? How do you, how do you kind of see this game tonight? I'm kind of excited just to see it. So I'm excited to see what kind of game it is if – the Wizards do exactly what they're supposed to do and not settle for jumpers and get out and transition and run and get to the free throw line? Or are they going to be kind of back on their heels, not pushing in transition, settling for a lot of jumpers? Now, granted, they're not coming off of a back-to-back. -back. They're going out there. They're having somewhat fresh legs. Okay. It's a little bit of demeaning going through a losing streak, but there's a lot of teams that are going through a losing streak. One team in particular, the Detroit Pistons. Our old former coach, for the Wash or uh, New Orleans Pelicans, Monty Williams, he's going through it up there. Twenty mm -hmm. losses in a row. Things could be a little bit worse, but for the Wizards, 
Gotta go out there, have it a fresh opportunity, new mindset. Don't be bogged down by how the season has gone so far. Just go out there, have fun, play the right style of basketball. And hey, I'm not saying that they're gonna come out with a win, but give yourself an opportunity to come out with a win. Well, then I guess we'll wrap up with the most important question of the entire time here with Jason Smith. Your favorite memory of Jim Eichenhofer. <laughs> oh man. You know. There's so many memories with Jim in the locker room Mm -hmm. coming up to me. I think he was most comfortable coming up to me because I was one of the guys that would actually talk to him. (laughs) Everybody else was like, I don't want to talk to you. There was not many people that were like, "Mm, yeah, Jim, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? Me, I'm a social butterfly. Jim would always come in the locker room and be like, so what's up? How's it going? How's the team? I'm like, Jim, you ask me these questions on the daily. Just talk to me. You're good. Okay. I'm not going to just be like, yeah, get out of here. Uh, can we get the media out of the locker room? No, no, not one bit. Jim could always talk to me, whether it was at an appearance, whether I was just coming into the gym, to the practice facility. That's the kind of relationship that you want to have with the media, because these are the people that are talking about you, that are building you up or tearing you down. And Jim was one of the good guys. There you go. I'm trying to get him one of those hats that has like the little card that says press on it from back in the day, back in the 40s and 30s. You know what I'm saying? I would love that. Hey, that would be, that could be your calling card right there, Jim. That you could know, be you. You just reminded me of one thing I was wanted to ask you too. Um, how did you get into TV? And was this something that during your playing career, when you were dealing with, with mopes like me, you were like, oh, I, you know, I need to, interact well with the media because this could be, you know, maybe I'll have a media career someday. No, I'm always about building bridges. I never want to burn any bridges. I'm always available to talk to people, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And for me, because I can kind of formulate a sentence here and there, it was all the way back when my rookie year, when the players association kind of mentors would be like, man, should try this uh, broadcasting program out. I was like, you know what? I'll try it. I did the broadcasting program. I did the franchise program. I did the coaching program. And all of those things were great. But for me, the easiest way to stay connected to the game, but also not having to lose so much time with my family, was to do a little pregame, postgame in the local area and to be able to stay close to the game. I mean, I love the NBA basketball game. But for me, it was just kind of a natural progression of, all right, I did the broadcasting seminar. All right. Uh, I went down to the top 100 camp for the Players Association, did a little bit more broadcasting stuff. So putting in the time and the effort, people realize that. And then when you go into the job place and it was actually our media people at the Wizards that said, hey, we saw that you uh, didn't get a contract this year. Uh, You want to come do a couple games with us? And I was like, you know what? I'm not opposed to that. I'll try that out. So I did a couple and now I'm here in 2023, five years later, <laughs> it's been a blast because you learn so much as you go on and it's been a learning curve for me. I mean, it, it's been good and bad, but when you have a winning team, it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. When you have a losing team, it really tests your skills. And for me, it's it's really just a lot of fun to talk about the guys in kind of a different perspective than when I was playing versus now when I'm kind of the outsider looking in and I'm asking these questions, thinking in the back of my head, wait a minute. You already know this answer to this question. What are you doing to answer this question? But it's all for the cameras, baby. We understand that for sure, man. Hey, thank you for your time today, man. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime you guys want to talk to me, especially, but 
Next time, can we do it without Jim? <laughs> He's very tough. Believe me, he has an entire sheet of really tough questions. I'm like, man, let's just keep this down on the road. Uh, that's Jason Smith, now part of the Washington Wizards telecast in-studio host and um, a studio analyst on the Monumental Sports Network. And, of course, one of the, those players. I can say I was a Hornet and I was a Pelican as well. Thank you, Jason. Very much so. You're welcome. All right, our thanks to Jason Smith. Jim, that was fun. Always uh, nice to go back down memory lane, but also speak to somebody that's still very involved in the game and very aware of it as well. And now that he's not on the line with us, I can be <laughs> honest and say good things about him. He, he was getting some funny digs at, yeah. at me, which which cracked me up. No, he's one of the best. He's one of the best people that we've had here. Yeah. We've had a lot of good dudes in in the Pelicans in the New Orleans uniform in the time that I've been here, but he's definitely near the top of the list, um, always easy to talk to. And, you know, just a, a down-to-earth, normal guy. Mm-hmm. You, you never, even when he was playing and making the big money and, and playing the, being the NBA player, you never felt like he was above anybody or kind of distanced himself or thought he was superior to anyone. So that was one of the things that I always respected about him was just, he just seems like the guy that you, like your neighbor, you know, the guy that you yeah. see at the grocery store, such a, such a quality individual. Well, normally I would ask you to break down tonight's matchup and everything. Jason kind of did a really good job of that. Definitely. But I'll just give you one quick take. What, what is something that you're going to be keying on today? Yeah, I think one of the things is the paint battle. Um, I think both of these teams are really good in the paint. Um, Pelicans are top 10. Uh, that seems to be an area where if you can cut the Wizards off in that part of it, you'll do really well. And one kind of thing that folds into that is we talked about the transition defense. Part of the reason why the Wizards rank so high in paint points is because when you you run a lot, you get a lot of layups and dunks in, in transition. So Pelicans need to make sure that they're getting back on defense. That's definitely going to be a big emphasis. All right, well, it is Wednesday, the midway point of your work week. And more importantly, it is Western Conference Wednesday. Jim, you like to tell people what on Wednesdays? The Western Conference Team of the Week oh, to look at. There we go. Our, yeah, I thought you were talking about something. No, 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 no nonsense. No, just uh, um, you love to tell people the Western Conference team to keep, kind of keep an eye on. Yeah, the the team to watch last week was the Golden State Warriors. They had a a tough week because they lost three out of the four games that they had. They had a game added to their schedule um, against the Portland Trailblazers, so that was helpful towards them. But the other games that they played, they lost, so they had a overtime loss at OKC and at Phoenix. And I think the thing that I talked about last week that I keep going back to is, um, are they going to turn it around? I mean, that's I think that's something that everyone around the league is, is keeping track of. They're not even in the top 10 right now, so that's something to pay attention to. Um, my team to watch this week is going to be the Memphis Grizzlies, and there's a very specific reason for that. They This is the last week that they're going to be without John Morant, if everything goes to form and he does come back after missing the first 25 games of the season um right now the grizzlies are six and 16 so they only have three games left hopefully from their standpoint before Mm -hmm. their best player is back on the court i thought when the season began people kind of looked at it like um can they tread water can they kind of hang hang around um so this this next three games before he comes back i think are crucial because they could be anywhere from nine and sixteen, which is like, you know, it's not great, but it's not the end of the world. And six and nineteen, where you're thirteen games under five hundred, so they have two games against um, the Houston Rockets and their old friend Dylan Brooks. 
and then they play um, at Oklahoma City on Monday, and then also within the seven-day period is the game here in New Orleans um, next Tuesday that's on TNT. So just another team to keep an eye on in terms of um, can they can they tack on a couple more wins and get themselves a little bit closer to 500 because there's plenty of time left in the season, but it's like how much of a hole can you dig yourself out of, especially if you look at the top right. 9, 10, 11 teams in the West. It's not going to be easy to catch some of these teams, or you're not going to be able to say that a couple of these teams are going to co- collapse and allow us to gain ground. So big week for Memphis, and especially important with John Moran coming back. Well, if you're asking me, it's not a hole deep enough, I'm just saying, because I know that's still a very good team, and he's very good. So I think a lot of people were hoping for about 4-21 <laughs> right. or 5-20 yeah, in the be great. Yeah. games. And for a while there, it was looking like they might be 5-20 and 20 or worse, but they actually were able to collect a couple wins um, against teams that were struggling. They, they had a win that was added onto their – or a game that was added onto their schedule against the Pistons that they almost didn't take care of, but mm-hmm. they, they were able to get that win, so that was very helpful as well. All right, Jim Eichenhofer, as always, appreciate the time. Jim underscore Eichenhofer is the way to follow over on X and on Twitter, pelicans.com as well. You'll have all kinds of stuff before the game, after the game as well. Lower cap. Yes, we'll be previewing the Wizards uh, game tonight. That'll be up pretty soon. Probably by the time people hear this, it'll be on the website. And then we'll have a recap of the game as we do for all 82. Looking forward to this game tonight and looking forward to this road trip opportunity for New Orleans to hopefully string some wins together, get a little bit further over 500. And get. And also, I mean, if you look at the standings in the West, you win a few games in a row and you, you really can jump a few spots. They're 10th right now, but they're only one game out of fifth place. So think about what can happen if they put, put together some more numbers. Too. Yeah, no doubt. A very big road trip. Three straight, including tonight, against the Wizards. Jim, thank you for your time, bud. Thanks, Jeff. All right, thank you for tuning us in here as well. We'll see you on Friday with David Wesley. I think he's going to be our guest. Yes, that's the plan. Yep, looking forward to that. And we will uh, see you then. So thanks for tuning us in as always. Don't forget to follow the show as well and tell everybody about it. We'll see you on Friday on the next New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Join us three times per week on pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast.